Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Diversion Podcasts. Since the start of the pandemic, I've spent more time in my home office than I have anywhere else. In one corner is a big bookcase. In another corner is my desk. That's where I did much of the research and reporting and just about all of the writing for my book about Kobe Bryant. I could make phone calls. I could search online databases. And as much as I love my wife and two sons, I could close the door on them so I could get some work done in peace and quiet. Early on in my writing process, I reached out to someone who, 25 years earlier, 
had also tried to write a book about Kobe. It was Jeremy Treatment. You've heard a lot about him in this series. I called Jeremy, knowing his own Kobe book project had been scuttled at some point, but also knowing he was still in touch with several of Kobe's coaches and teammates from Lower Marion High School. Jeremy kept transcripts from his interviews with Kobe from 1996 and 1997, and he handed over a cardboard box full of those transcripts and other material. Later, when he found the tapes of those interviews, he gave those to me too. I kept the tapes in that box, and I kept that box right next to my desk. I had easy access to the tapes there, in case I needed to listen to them or read over the transcripts as I was writing the book. And I have to admit that sometimes I just pick up the transcripts and page through them, reading Kobe's words, trying to put myself there, listening to him speak, imagining what it must have been like to know him then. A 17 or 18 year old kid who knew exactly what he wanted. And what he wanted was immortality. Here's the sample chapter four. Here's how the chapter would have started out. The buildup before the draft was a very exciting and scary time for me because I really didn't know what was going to happen. All I knew is that my dream was about to be answered. I just didn't know where I was going to live my dream. That was from one of the chapters that Jeremy had written from Kobe's perspective. There were three or four chapters like that in that cardboard box, each of them about 10 pages long, preserved for a quarter century. I'd listen to the tape sometimes too, to get a feel for Kobe, for his voice. It was like my own little space of living Kobe history, right there in my office. The thing is, Jeremy didn't even listen to the tapes before he let me have them. It wasn't until I met him on Long Beach Island in August, several months later, and I played him a bit of them, that he heard them for the first time in more than 20 years. When was the last time you heard any of these? 2001. Today, Kobe got rid of his family. Today, this all ended. 2001 was the year that Jeremy's relationship with Kobe changed because Kobe's relationship with his family changed. 2001 was the year that Kobe married his wife, Vanessa, which led to a falling out between him and his parents, Joe and Pam. There's been a lot of speculation about why the Bryant family fractured as it did. From what I gathered in talking to people who knew Kobe well back then, the problem came down to this. Kobe felt like he was ready to move fully into adulthood, to get married, and his parents thought he was too young. That separation marked the moment, symbolically and practically, that Kobe left much of his Lower Marion life behind. Not all of it. He kept in contact with Greg Downer, and he'd visit his old high school every year or so. But for the most part, he had become a Laker, fully engaged in his NBA career, in his life on the West Coast, and in Los Angeles' culture of beautiful weather and famous people. He got used to the public adulation, the love from the fans. The wonder and naivete you heard in that opening clip I played for you at the beginning of this episode slowly disappeared. He got used to getting clothes for free. More and more, Lower Marion and the friends he'd made there were receding into Kobe's past. 
For example, after he entered the NBA, he stayed in touch with his former teammate Guy Stewart for a while, but just a while. I think the first two or three years we talked pretty frequent whenever he would come to play the Sixers or, you know, when the season was over, he would be home and we would hang out. And then I think, you know, as the bigger he got, he worked even harder, if, even if that was even possible, because he wasn't the type of guy that was just going to get to the league and be like, all right, I'm in the league. That's that's OK. No, he, he wanted to get to the league and he wanted to dominate the league and he wanted to be the best ever. Um, so he worked like it. And with your work ethic, your schedule becomes crazier and, you know, you just naturally drift apart. You know, I'm, I'm in school, I'm studying and I'm kind of doing my own thing and he's doing his own thing. But it was never any love loss. It was whenever we got together or talked on the phone, it was great. It was like we never missed a beat. So for the first three years, we talked pretty pretty frequent and then it kind of dwindled down a, a lot more um, the years after that. Jeremy's relationship with Kobe evolved, if that's the right word for it, in the same way. And remember, he hadn't been close just to Kobe. He had been tight with the entire Bryant clan. If there wasn't a clean break between him and Kobe, as Kobe moved on from Lower Merion and progressed in his pro career, there was certainly more distance between them. But during that day, Jeremy and I spent together on Long Beach Island this year, I could tell that listening to the tapes closed some of that distance for Jeremy. It had been nearly 30 years since he met Kobe. It had been 25 years since he was there on the Aces sideline, celebrating a state championship with Kobe. It had been 20 years since he heard the tapes. But that special period of time was fresh in his memory. Kobe had been dead for a year and a half, but he was alive in Jeremy's mind and heart. It wasn't about money, it was about fame. I wanted to be a part of Kobe's life. I absolutely, I love the kid. I love the family. I, I loved it. You know. I'm Mike Sealski, and from Diversion Podcasts, this is I Am Kobe. I love. Episode 9, The Bond That Broke. Before he joined Greg Downer's coaching staff at Lower Marion High School in the fall of 1995, Jeremy already had gotten to know Kobe and the rest of the Bryants pretty well. He and Joe had met when they were both coaching at Akiba Hebrew Academy, and that connection allowed Jeremy to enter Kobe's inner circle. But it wasn't until Lower Marion's Christmas-time trip to Myrtle Beach for the beach ball classic that he and Kobe really bonded. They had to bond on that trip. They were roommates for it. The team stayed in Myrtle Beach for five nights, and the players and coaches had modest accommodations in town at the Swamp Fox Motel, 
not far from the city's convention center where the tournament was being held. The original plan was for Kobe to room with Greg Downer's brother Drew, who you'll remember from episode four was one of the team's assistant coaches. But that plan changed. Here's Jeremy. Kobe did not want to room with Drew Downer. So I, I, I guess Greg's original intent was I'm gonna have my biggest enforcer guy room with Kobe and make sure he's safe and make sure nobody messes with him. And I'm, I think Kobe said to me, like, you know, I want to room with you up there. I'm like, fine with me. And then Kobe, I said, go tell Greg, and he did. Why do you think he wanted to room with you? I think he wanted to room with me because we were close and because if there's one adult on the entire trip that would keep secrets, it would be me. And so if, if everybody thought he was sleeping, but he was out being a girl or if he was out playing or Mr. Curfew, I wouldn't tell. And I would have to say that's true. And I would have to say I had zero problem with it. I was flattered and honored you know, to be rooming with him. At this point, Jeremy already had approached Kobe and his parents with the idea of writing a book about him. They loved the idea and thought he was the perfect person to do it. Now, he and Kobe would have plenty of time together to talk. Their suite had two bedrooms, a smaller one in the front and a larger one in the back. Jeremy figured that, as the coach and as the adult, he would take the bigger room. Seemed natural. So I put my stuff in the back, took my bags, put it back on the first bed. He says, why don't you stay here and then, you know, then you can hang out with the bean. He come out sometimes and hang out with the bean in the back. The bean. He said the bean. He's never said the bean to me ever. He was charming me. He said, why, why don't you let me stay back here? I'll come over here. Well, you, and then you can come back sometimes. You can hang out with the bean. We can talk about stuff. We can work on the book. The setup seemed ideal for Jeremy he to get to, to know the best high school player in the country even better than he already did. There was just one thing that worried him. I was only nervous about getting the bathroom wet and having him slip and me causing the end of Kobe Bryant's career. And that's the neurotic Jewish man in me because I come from a family where my older brother would splash the bathtub so bad we'd all come in there and go flying. And I, I, was, I was honestly nervous about that. I was almost afraid to take a shower because I'm known to just let the water fly all over the place. And I'm like, nope, my roommate's Kobe Bryant. I can't do that. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, this is Mike Sealski, host and writer of I Am Kobe. This podcast project came out of my work on a related book called The Rise, Kobe Bryant and the Pursuit of Immortality. If you want to explore other parts of Kobe's story, check out The Rise. It's not just a book version of the podcast. I dive deeper into some of the topics covered in this series and even some that we don't cover at all. Kobe's upbringing, his family, his identity, his effect on his friends and teammates, his journey into the NBA, and his earliest days with the Lakers. The Rise, Kobe Bryant and the Pursuit of Immortality is out now. Just head over to theriseofkobebook.com and you can buy it from any of your favorite retailers. That's theriseofkobebook.com. Thanks. I've spent a lot of time in this series diving into the crucial moments in Kobe's early life. Well, this was a crucial moment for Jeremy. He was realizing that he didn't really want to write for a newspaper anymore, that he didn't want to be on the outside when it came to sports. He didn't want to write about the games. He wanted to have a direct hand in the games. He wanted to coach them, set up and schedule them, promote them. He wanted to be on the inside, and I can understand why. When he was a kid growing up in Lower Marion Township, just like Kobe, Jeremy had always been on the outside of things. His family was one of the first Jewish families to move into his neighborhood in the 1970s, and he had jumped up a grade in school. So even though he was as smart or smarter than all the other students in class, he was younger and smaller. That's a tough spot for a kid. And Jeremy told me that back then, he dealt with a lot of bullying a lot of teasing, and a lot of behavior that, well, let's just say the kids who weren't Jewish weren't getting treated as harshly as he was. But he had been accepted by Kobe and the Bryants. That meant a lot to him. And now he had a chance to learn as much as he could about Kobe, 
to get to know him on a more personal, intimate level, and to help tell his story in their book. He didn't get that chance because he was a reporter for a big newspaper. He got it because he was part of the Lower Merion program and part of Kobe's life. Was it at that point more important to you to be on the inside with Kobe than on the outside covering him? Definitely. I definitely felt like it was a great opportunity to be on the inside. I did know that he was going to be jumping. I'm, I'm almost positive because I do remember Joe also called me saying, well, I want you to be on the staff. And they had both discussed with me that it's going to go from high school to the NBA. And I had this idea my freshman year in the NBA by Kobe Bryant with Jeremy Chapman. And they both said, absolutely. It was, it was such a novelty. It was just such an unbelievable story at the time. There's no guard, there's no well-educated person who didn't need money jumping in the NBA in the history of the NBA. I mean, it was a unique story, a kid who didn't grow up here, who appealed to everybody. I mean, he was just a clean-cut American kid that, that you know, everybody was falling in love with. That was one of the big reasons that Jeremy thought people would go gaga for a book about Kobe. There was just enough of an edge to him that he would be intriguing. Uh, Kobe Bryant have decided to take my talent to uh... <laughs> No, I have decided to skip college and take my talent to the NBA. Thanks to the trade that the Lakers made with the Charlotte Hornets to get him, he'd be playing for one of the NBA's premier franchises, maybe its most prestigious franchise, in 1996. Has Magic ever, Constable, you ever told you anything about the game? Um, not really. We really had, a, really had the opportunity to talk so far this season, but you know, I'm definitely looking forward to having some conversation with him. And his background, his upbringing in Italy and in Lower Marion, his father's playing and coaching careers, set him apart from most, if not all, of his peers. One time, Jeremy showed me a list he had made of all the topics he wanted to cover with Kobe in their book. The list went on for several like pages. It's amazing that I wrote all this stuff down yeah. because I don't, it's 20-something years ago. Yeah. Uh, yes, his mom was a stickler on um, the academics. Like, he wasn't allowed to play basketball unless he'd done his homework. Okay. I mean, he had told me stories like that. So I know he, I know he got his homework done, and I know he took his work seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think the background in Italy, where school was important, mm-hmm. um, probably really helped in that. Plus, Jeremy had access to Kobe and had earned his trust at a pivotal time in Kobe's life. Kobe had been well known in the Philadelphia area and in basketball circles, but now that he was a professional athlete, he was starting to experience a different kind of existence. It was one thing to take Brandy to the prom as a PR move and have some of his classmates resent him for it. It was another thing to have strangers know you were a first-round draft pick and a multi-millionaire and to have them think you owed them something. Here's one example Kobe told Jeremy about. After the Lakers had traded for him, he went to a house party in West Philadelphia. You don't believe this. Let me tell you what happened one time. I went to this splash party. Ten dollars to get in West Philadelphia. I go up to the door. They let me in. You know, whatever. I go inside, stay for a little bit, come out, walk, walk around, 
good looking girl. You know what I'm saying? She comes up to me like, Kobe Ryan, I'm like, yeah. Can you lend me $10? I was like, huh? She's like, I don't have any money. I want. To, I really want to get in this bash party, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hey, you, you got all this money? It was $10. I'm like, if I was ignorant, I'd be like, look, this is my damn money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I work for this money. So I was just like, um, um, she's like, well, I'll pay you back. I'm mailing the $10 to the Lakers. I'm saying, I'm like, oh, can you believe, I can't, I'm not believe I'm hearing this. <laughs> I cannot believe this. So I was just like, I finally came up with something. I said, I'm sorry, I only had plastic. Like all that money you can't be carrying around in cash so only have plastic. If they take plastic in there, if they take Visa, MasterCard, I'll hook you up. If they don't, I can't do nothing for you. She's like, oh, I don't know you got money. I don't know you got plastic. What you want me to do? Break the plastic? You know what I'm saying? So, I can't believe you said that. I'll mail you the $10 to the Lakers. What do I look like? <laughs> National Bank? It was those kinds of funny, personal anecdotes that Jeremy thought would make the book appealing, first to publishers and then to readers. I have to say, my freshman year in the NBA isn't a bad title, and the idea of an inside look at Kobe's last year of high school and first year of pro ball definitely had some allure. But the book couldn't be something that Jeremy worked on whenever he felt like it or whenever he had a free moment. He would have to make a major commitment of effort and time. So would Kobe, and Jeremy wondered how the project might change the nature of their relationship. I certainly was curious about it. I mean, I, I certainly thought I was, you know, I was hoping that I was going to have a role or hoping to be out in Los Angeles because uh, his dad said he wanted me to be around him, you know, stay around him, and whether it was with this book or with anything else. So, you know, I was, I was invited there many times. I mean... I think I was out there eight, eight times or so, first couple of years. And he was getting good stuff. It took some prodding and coaxing, but once Kobe started to live an NBA life, he gradually got more open with Jeremy, more revealing. You listen to these tapes, and you really do get an inside look at what Kobe was thinking when he was 18, 19 years old. Here he is talking about how he approached his entrance to the NBA and the expectations that people would have Always. for him. I didn't want to come in like as you kill on them. Like, um, just keep on, uh, maybe like a Chris Webber, who has all these expectations, Ryan knowing them. And even if they're performing great, it's still not good enough. It's never going to meet the expectations that people put in them. I just got the time when they eat in there, sneak up on people. Next thing people are saying, oh, God, he's doing great. That's a fascinating piece of tape. I had never thought of Kobe as sneaking up on anyone when it came to basketball. He struck me more as being like Nuke Lelouch, the hotshot pitching prospect played by Tim Robbins in Bull Durham. I always felt like Kobe wanted to announce his presence with authority. I was a little married and now I'm a lady. I was kind of surprised and shocked at first, but you know, now it's just like, okay, now I want to win a championship. I'm not stepping in there saying, okay, I just want to have a nice move season. If we get a championship, fine. If it wasn't college finals, fine. It's not like that. I want to get a championship. I want to get there now. It's going to be like that every, every year. 
I win a championship next year. Next season, I'll come back and say, look, man, I want to get a championship again. I'm saying, Shaq, come on, man, let's go. Let's get this. Let's get another one. Michael got four. Let's get five, man. Come on, let's go. You know what I'm saying? So that, that's how it's going to be from this point on. You can hear how much deeper Kobe's voice is here compared to the earlier tapes. He doesn't sound like a kid anymore, and no one's treating him like a kid anymore. Take the first time he met Magic Johnson. Kobe described the entire encounter to Jeremy. The circumstances were exactly what you would have expected. They met in a gym and played pickup. I was on a, I was on a floor stretching in, in the gym at UCLA, and he comes and walks through the door. I look back, I'm stretching, and I see him walking through the door. I'm like, man, that's magic. So he, was, he comes up to me, he's like, hey, how you doing, y'all fella? I'm like, oh, I'm all right, I'm doing, I'm doing good. So he had his shorts on, sneakers, and tank top, so he's playing. I'm like, all right, cool, I'm going to go over against Magic. So the first couple of games, totally last game, just pick up game. The first couple of games were on the same team, then after we were against each other, I won like three games. Then like the, so he comes back like the next day and wins like three games. You know, he was mad, whatever, we were talking trash. Each other. Um, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes he would come out, like, I can remember one time we had a pick and roll, and I thought we forced him to switch out of so I had to win, so we got isolation, so I'm isolated with Magic, so I'm looking, right, I'm not really paying that much attention, I'm like, man, hold up, I got Magic going, you take him to the hoop, you take him to the hoop, so bam, I go to the hoop, and I go for, for a layup on one side, so... He tries to foul me. Another guy comes up and steps up from the baseline. So I hang and I go to the other side. I scoop it, lay it off the glass. And I was like, yeah, and one. And he's like, oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Nice move, nice move. For me, this was one of the coolest and most revealing aspects of listening to Jeremy's Kobe tapes. He had captured a moment in time, a fleeting period, before all the familiar narratives about Kobe had begun to unfurl. The triumphs, the feuds, the grudges, the mistakes. Take his biggest nemesis with the Lakers, literally and figuratively, Shaquille O'Neal. For years, those two superstars battled over who was the team's real alpha dog. It was the NBA's answer to General Hospital, or All My Children, a soap opera that went on and on and on. Conversation during the Shaq years. Were you guys friends? No. But listen to Kobe here, talking to Jeremy about his early relationship with the big fella. Shaq, Shaq, man, Shaq's been my older brother from day one. Since he got traded, he called me on the phone my, at my house in, in Philadelphia. And uh, we talked a little bit. He's like, you know, I'm here for you, anything you need. Called me up, I look out for you. And, you know, it's mutual. But Shaq's Shaq, like my older brother. You know, we, we've been tight from day one. You know, when he just had the injury, I, you know, I told him, if you need to come to the house, chill, get away from get away from anything, uh, you know, the home cooked meal, whatever, feel free to call me up. So we've been tight from day one. Kobe did not say the same thing about his first coach with the Lakers, Del Harris. Because Kobe spent so many years with Phil Jackson and won those five championships with him, people sometimes forget that Harris was Kobe's first pro coach. He was a veteran of the league, white-haired, very personable. And they had a backstory together. Amazingly, 
Harris had coached Kobe's dad, Joe, during Joe's only season with the Houston Rockets back in 1982-83. Then Harris and Kobe met during one of Kobe's pre-draft workouts with the Lakers before Jerry West pulled off the trade to get it. Sounds innocuous, right? Like he'd get along with Harris okay, right? Nope. After his first season with the Lakers was finished in 1997, Kobe sat down with Jeremy for another session with the tape recorder, and he unloaded on his coach. The idea that Kobe should adjust his game at all, that he should, I don't know, listen to his coach, doesn't even enter his mind. I don't know whether to admire it or shake my head at it. Jeremy was feeling pretty good about how his book project with Kobe was shaping up, and I don't blame him. I know I would have felt good if I had heard Kobe rip his coach on the record like you just heard. That's a natural feeling for any author during the research portion of writing a book. You realize you're getting good stuff, stuff no one has heard or read before, and all you can see in your head is people paging through the book, saying to their friends or the people next to them, can you believe what Kobe says about Del Harris? You see everyone reacting to the book exactly like you want them to. And you see yourself selling a million copies. But Jeremy had a few factors working against him. For instance, we might forget that although Kobe was well-known around the country, at that point in 1997, it was only because he was such a young player and had skipped college and went straight to the NBA. He wasn't a superstar yet, 
He wasn't at the level of Michael Jordan or Akeem Olajuwon or Patrick Ewing. So how many people would really buy the book? Not very many, apparently. Jeremy was working with Arne Tellum, Kobe's basketball agent, and Kobe's talent reps at the William Morris Agency to try to drum up interest from publishers. Nothing seemed to be happening. And no one seemed it. to want to publish it. And all the while, you're trying to find a publisher for the book. How was that going? Um, well, I left that in the hands of Arne Tellum and the William Morris Agency, and they had a manuscript of mine, and um, I think I gave them eight sample chapters or something. Uh, they told me if I didn't get an offer, or a, a good enough offer, I'm not sure which. So it was just put, it was just put on hold. So, you know, Joe said, don't worry, we'll do it, we'll do it at a, another time. What were your expectations? Did you have any? No, I never did anything like that before. I, I thought it was going to be good. I mean, I thought it was, I, I certainly was surprised. I thought, well, maybe maybe it was me. Maybe my writing wasn't good, or maybe I didn't have a name, or maybe, you know, maybe they wanted a, a bigger name. I was just happy that at the time, Kobe said, no, nobody else is doing this but you. So that was nice to hear. I'll never forget, you know, he said, he said that more than one occasion. Jeremy had to love that. It had to fill him with confidence and optimism that the two of them would finish the book and it would be great. But Jeremy's admiration and affection for Kobe were the source of his other problem. What was the nature of their relationship now? They weren't roommates anymore. They weren't coach and player or PR rep and player. They were writer and subject with the requisite distance between those roles. Or were they? When Jeremy and Greg Downer came out to L.A. and hung out with Kobe and the Bryant family in Kobe's Whirlpool, were they writer and subject then? Sometimes, I mean, you're right. It was Sometimes it was like, okay, am I here as his friend? Am I here as a lower marine guy? Am I, or am I here as somebody doing a book? I, it was sort of all three. And it, it, it was definitely a, a gray area. Did you get any sense that he was pulling away from Laura Marion, from you, from that stage of his life and moving on to whatever Los Angeles and the NBA was going to have in store for him? Not in an unnatural way. I mean, just in a progressive life way. I, I think, yeah, I think his focus was on Lakers for sure. I didn't, I didn't feel he was leaving anything behind, though. You know, he was living with his parents, living with his one sister. We had a lot of his friends from Wynwood came out to L.A. the first couple of years. I, I thought he had an agenda, and I thought he was private about it. I, I, I noticed a, a privateness about him. He just was a workout maniac. He would tell me his schedule. In other words, Kobe was growing up. He was living in the tunnel that was his pro basketball career. He had less time to devote to sitting down with Jeremy for the book, and as his game improved and his celebrity grew, it was natural for him to be less inclined to make time. Jeremy had written those few chapters, but he didn't have enough material from Kobe for a full manuscript. And in time, he realized he wasn't going to get enough. If a publisher had given him and Kobe a half-million-dollar advance for the book, it's probably a safe bet Kobe would have made time for it. But no one did. So it would have been understandable if Kobe drifted away or lost interest. How big a disappointment was it that the book fell through? Semi-disappointment. I mean, I, I, I was disappointed that it, it never never got it to the shelves. But I never felt any wrongdoing by the Bryants. I mean, they, they were very good to me. Um, 
Kobe and Joe sponsored my company the first three years in the league. They're very gracious, uh, hosting me. I never thought it was they had anything to do with it. Was I? I trusted Orntel and told me it just didn't sell. And then things changed with the family dynamic, and Orntel wasn't agent anymore, and just kind of fell apart. Kobe and Tellum ended their professional relationship during the 2000-2001 season. Was there ever uh, a falling out, a distancing between you and Kobe at any point? No, nothing ever. No. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Jeremy remained loyal to Kobe publicly and privately throughout Kobe's entire 20-year tenure in the NBA. If they had a falling out, you never knew it from talking to Jeremy. Even during the darkest times of Kobe's life, even when Kobe put his very freedom at risk, and in the eyes of many people, 
became a villain forever, even when he was charged with sexual assault in 2003 and 2004, Jeremy supported him. In fact, Jeremy went on national television frequently to defend him. You know, pushy or, or a sense of entitlement? Never, just, never just the opposite. In fact, uh, you know, the first two, three years, even when I was in Los Angeles, I was still a member of the press then, had press passes in the, in the locker room, and I saw, I saw girls and women try to get to him, and he wouldn't have anything to do with it. He wouldn't have right. anything to do with it. was always very polite, just kept walking by, gave a smile. I mean, he, he, he didn't fall for any of that at all. All right, uh, Jeremy, thank you very much. I was very upset that people who didn't know Kobe were being interviewed every night, and Kobe Bryant was this pariah that was being talked about every single night. I have no idea what happened. I, I, I never discussed it with anybody. I don't know. But all I know is I wasn't going to let anybody... I, I mean, I got millions of calls to come on, as did Greg, as did Lakers, as did tons of people, and, and, and people didn't do those interviews. So who ends up being on the CNNs and Fox and MSNBCs and CBSs every night? Professor from so-and-so, uh, woman from sexual assault thing over here, and, and, and just listening to these talking heads, just talk, 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 talk. And do, do you know Kobe Bryant? Have you ever met him? Do you know? I mean, you know, and they, I saw him getting dissed every night for hours and hours and hours. Then some one producer called. So whenever a network reached out to him for an interview, Jeremy had three conditions before he would agree to appear. One, the host wasn't allowed to call him coach. Two, the host could not bring up whatever happened in Colorado. Jeremy didn't know what happened in Colorado, and he wouldn't comment on it. And three, the host couldn't ask Jeremy about anything Kobe had done or said since 2001, because Jeremy hadn't had a relationship with him since 2001. Kobe never cut him off formally or officially. There had been no cold and abrupt halt in their relationship, just a gradual distancing as Kobe progressed with his life and Jeremy progressed with his. It was similar to what happened with Jeremy's book. It just kind of went away. Jeremy missed Kobe, of course, but he didn't blame him. He just did what he had always done. He stood by him, in public, in private, and on TV. One thing I can do is I can tell the truth about how great I think this guy is and how great a person he was and a student and respectful person he was. And I mean, I can talk about what I know, and I have only nice things to say, and I'm tired of seeing people trash him all over the place, so that's why I did it. Look, let's be real here. Superstar athletes have hangers-on. They have people who follow them around, ready to satisfy their every whim. Kobe had people like that around him, too. But Jeremy wasn't that. He wasn't one of those people. This devotion to Kobe wasn't conditional. If teammates or coaches or media members were criticizing Kobe... The essence of what I said is covered in the book and was basically that I don't think I can coach Kobe anymore. I can't reach him. And if you want me to continue on with this ball club, then the change has to be made. And if you want Kobe on this ball club, then I have to go. Even if Kobe was deserving of that criticism. Check it. You know how I be. Last week, Kobe couldn't do without me. You know how I be. Last week, Kobe couldn't do without me. Jeremy was going to stand up for him, no matter what. 
And I think it's noteworthy that Jeremy doesn't just defend Kobe as this superstar player. He defends him as a great person. Yes, Kobe was a rare and exceptional athlete. But Jeremy always talked about how polite and smart he was, what a good teammate he was, how much he enjoyed the time they spent together. Jeremy really thought highly of Kobe as a young man. What you do for a friend, especially when other, you know, when other people aren't sticking up for him. Like when people didn't stick up for him for making his decision to go to the draft, when people didn't stick up for him, uh, how good he was. And I think I told you this before, one, one of my friends wanted to go fist to fist when uh, we got in a fight, whether he was better than Curry Kittles as a high school player. And I said, he's better than Curry Kittles right now. And they, they got pretty heated. I'm like, you'll see, you'll see. Because right, I, I believe in Kobe. I believe in him as a, as a person. He's a good man. But I have to just stop here and ask an important question. Was he? Was Kobe Bryant a good man? And what does that really mean? I've spent more than a year and a half digging into the first half of Kobe Bryant's life, reading everything I could about him, listening to people tell stories about him, poring over these tapes for hours. There are few people I know well enough to say for certain, yes, he is a good man. When it comes to Kobe, I know this. I know that he was a complex man. I know that he was a driven man with a passion and determination that are extremely rare and that he was willing to live with the consequences and costs of that drive, the consequences of a deep thirst for excellence. In our next episode of this series, I'll do my best to take a measure of his legacy, especially in the wake of his untimely death. He knew that eventually I would become a great player in the NBA. He knows that I would not have anything left. But he said that right now I have the world upon my hands. And if I go to the NBA, you know, produce, do things spectacular, then maybe I'll lose that. But I told him I really don't care about that. That's next week on I Am Kobe. I Am Kobe is a production of Diversion Podcasts in association with iHeartRadio. This season is written and hosted by me, Mike Sealski. It's produced by Jacob Bronstein and directed by Mark Francis. Story editing by Jacob Bronstein with editorial direction from Scott Waxman. Editing, mixing, and sound design by Mark Francis. Stephen Tompkins is our production assistant. Our theme music is Create Yourself by Grover Brown, featuring Justin Starling. Find Create Yourself wherever you stream music. Music supervisor is Scott Velasquez for Freesan Sync. Executive producers are Mark Francis and Scott Waxman. Join the conversation about I Am Kobe on social media. On Twitter and Instagram, it's at Diversion Pods. Thanks to Oren Rosenbaum, Susan Canavan, and Jeremy Treatman. Hey, look, I rise before the sun. 
sun They don't understand when I say the grind is fun Never clock out even when my work is done If they tryna block me, I might hurt someone Through the blood, sweat, and tears, we persevere Stay killing it, better keep the hearses near If they don't believe in themselves, they revert to fear Now the champ is here, so I'm telling them That's my ambition The reason why my work's so damn different To the negatives, I can't listen See me at the top, you can't listen I'ma mold the clay like cash is See, I pay my dues plus taxes Gotta work ethic and grind ahead of its time If someone say that they made you, tell them you create yourself I'm the best you finna watch us, but It's about that time You gotta stay clocked in, break by break We create ourselves Watch me, watch me, create myself Track clock, time's up, create yourself Nice, go hard, create yourself. Gotta learn from the great minds. No, we ain't lying. Tell them that's game time. This talent wasn't given, it was made. The future, anytime I can change. Better tell them that I made it back home. As I walk through the halls of the fame, I came from the valley of the shadow of death. Waiting for a silver spoon, don't hold your breath. Same town, same dream, but I did it with less. I know who I'm meant to be, so there's nothing to guess. Yeah, there's nothing to guess. It's our time, tell them we up next We don't got any regrets I did it with my two hands and we never forget That's my ambition The reason why my work's so damn different To the negatives I can't listen See me at the top, you can't listen For real Rebuild, reshape Give it your all, you got to risk take Do it now and I'm saying why wait If someone say that they made you Tell them you create yourself I'm the best you finna watch Us but It's about that time You gotta stay clocked in Break by break We create ourselves Watch me Watch me Create myself Track clock Time's up Create yourself Late nights Go hard Create yourself Gotta learn from the great minds No, we ain't lying Tell them that it's game time Three six five. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play—from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field, whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet Three Six Five. Twenty-one plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call one eight hundred Gambler. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, 
We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.